First off, you're thinking of an episode of DS9 where their life was not at risk, they just thought it was. Spoiler warning. Sorry. Put the spoiler warning at the beginning. I don't care enough. Spoiler alert. A random episode of DS9 may or may not be spoiled because Lewis is not going to describe it in enough detail that you'd be able to figure it out beforehand. Okay, I'll move that to the front. Okay. Welcome to RequestCast, the request-based podcast. I'm Lewis Powell. And I'm Ben Heaton. And today's request comes from Eagle, who requested a discussion of chess, notable chess variants, and how to improve chess. Alright, so we should take these three topics in order, right? Yes. Chess is a board game first developed thousands of years ago. I'm pretty sure it's Indian in origin, but I think I learned that from TV, so I don't know if it's true. Sounds plausible. Yes. It's changed a lot over the years. Some of the chess pieces you may know no longer exist. Sorry, some of the chess pieces I know no longer exist? Actually, that's probably not true. Are you assuming that we're giving this podcast thousands of years in the future? No, I was imagining that our listeners learned chess when it first was introduced, but that's probably not true. Uh, In case you did, let me fill you in. Now the piece you need to protect is the king, and the queen is crazy powerful. But also the pawns can do more than you might remember. (laughs) Also, if you're speaking modern English, good on you! Way to keep up with the times. Chess is famous for being one of the most well-known and well-respected strategy board games. If you want to show a character in fiction as being intellectual, show them enjoying chess. It'll get your point across. Or... If you want to show them being surprisingly good at something, despite not seeming smart in other contexts, have them beat the nerdy character at chess. Ah, like in Harry Potter. Uh, Sure. I feel like that gets used a lot, and not just in Harry Potter. Also, we have to delay all Harry Potter discussions until phase two of the discussion. All right, well, we'll table that for now. Okay. We should assume our listeners know how to play chess, right? Like, the basics of it, if not strategy? Yeah. Basically, you're moving your pieces around on a board. Each type of piece has different rules for how it can move. Try to win. Right. Chess has been extremely well studied in terms of whether it's possible to force your opponent into checkmate, which is the victory condition for you, with random subsets of your pieces left. Also, openings. Yeah. They've also been trying to make computers play chess for a really long time, and I think computers are now better at chess than we are. They're really good computers, yes. Yeah. Not every computer. Well... I'd say the average computer probably beats the average person at chess. Probably. If we have some sort of war against the computers, and we decide to settle it by playing chess, I know that I'm not helping us at all. Well, okay, the average human probably does not know how to play chess. Does the average computer? I feel like most modern computers have a chess program with a basic AI that's decent at chess built in. I think it depends on what you count as a computer. Smartphones are basically computers. Do they come with chess apps by default? Because if not, I'm betting a lot of people don't bother to download one. But can I tell you what that reminds me of, which is one of my favorite things where lawmakers are bad at passing laws sometimes, or good at passing laws, but bad at writing them? Oh, what is it? I believe it was Florida, but I could be wrong. It might be another state over in that neck of the woods. Was trying to outlaw certain sorts of video poker machines. 
and they accidentally defined a video poker machine in such a way that literally every computer that you can interact with and go on the internet counts. Oh, because it could go to a poker website? I don't know exactly how they phrased it, but they phrased it in such a way that technically every computer was illegal in Florida for a while. And then I think they fixed it because that was insane. Did they fix it or did they just not bother to enforce the letter of the law? I think a judge actually ruled on it, but I'm not sure. Listeners... You can investigate for yourselves. By going to Florida. Or googling Florida Outlaws computers. Yeah, if you're too lazy to go there. Okay, so that's chess. I think the only game that is generally recognized as being an intellectual strategy game that rivals chess in terms of its cultural capital is Go. Yeah, people aren't into backgammon very much these days. Is backgammon harder to solve than chess and go? I don't think so. I think it's significantly easier. Okay. Tic-Tac-Toe is famous for being investigated in a movie called War Games. Ironically, that movie is not about the classic card game, War. So now that we have thoroughly explained the rules and strategy of chess, what's part two? Well, hang on. We have discussed chess. What we just had was a discussion of chess. Letter of the law. Right. I used to play it a bit. I don't play it much these days, and I'm pretty bad at it. Yeah. I've never been very good. I know how to play, but I cannot think strategically the way that you need to to actually be good at chess. My strategic level on it is that I can look ahead a few moves, but there's more to it than that. I should mention one thing that's kind of interesting. They studied chess cognition, uh-huh. and it turns out that people who are really good at chess think about the board in a different way than people who aren't. So what they do is they'll show people a chess setup for a short period of time, and then they'll have them try and reconstruct it. And it turns out that chess experts are more likely to reproduce clusters even if they're sort of shifted around on the board in the wrong spot. But like, they're thinking about it in terms of that bishop is threatening that pawn. So they think about it in terms of the relations between the pieces. Whereas chess non-experts are more likely to get a higher number of things in the right spot, but without as much regard to the relative positioning. One thing I've heard is that chess experts are no better at reproducing the states than an average person if the states you give them are just random arrangements of pieces instead of things that could arise through normal gameplay. I've heard that as well. Okay, so that's our discussion of chess and chess cognition. Next. Notable chess variants. Alright, so... I can think of only three notable chess variants, Ben. I can think of two and a half. Okay, here are my three. Number one, Wizard's Chess from Harry Potter. Number two, 3D Chess from Star Trek, though I assume it has some stupid name. Um, number three, possibly my favorite, uh, whatever the variant of chess is in Star Wars that you should, if you're playing with a Wookiee, you let the Wookiee win. Those are the three variants of chess I know about. Yeah, that's the one with the holograms, right? Yeah. It's actually basically the same thing as Wizard's Chess, as far as I can tell. Was that game really chess? I thought it was just some generic hologram game. I think it was a form of chess. I will look it up on the Wikipedia. I know it had a board in pieces, but... I'm gonna look and see. I'm sure it's been named in the uh, extended universe. Oh, yeah, it has to have been. They're probably names for whichever particular pieces were shown on screen. Okay, no, they were playing Dejaric. Um Don't bother spelling that. It was a popular game that withstood the test of time better than nearly any other game in the galaxy. It originated as a Jedi game, but became much more widespread. It's the one that they're playing on the Millennium Falcon. Alright, is it in fact a chess variant? According to the, like, canon of Star Wars, I'm sure it's not a chess variant, because it predates chess by a considerable amount of time. Is chess a Dejaric variant? <laughs> Let me see. Wow, it tells me about major Dejaric tournaments. Does it tell you the names of Dejaric Grandmasters? And their home planets. <laughs> don't even start if you don't want me to tell you what they are. It tells me about the names of the pieces. Good. The Mantellian Savrep, Grimtash the Molotar, Gik, G-H-H-H-K, Hujix, 
Nigaok, NG apostrophe OK, Kinton, Strider, Kalorslug, and the Monok. These pieces, when moved by the player, actually acted out the moves as if really specimens of their species. The pieces would simulate boredom if not used for enough time, which interestingly is what we do with computer games. When you play Super Mario 64, he will yawn at you if you don't move fast enough. Well, there was a major Degeric tournament at the Galactic Core Interzonals, and a notable tactic was the Kinton Strider Death Gambit. Alright, so it has gambits. That's the way that's like chess. One of the pictures on here has an angry Chewbacca, and it says Chewbacca was a great player of Dejaric, but he hated to lose. Was he in fact a great player of it? The movie does not bear that out. Uh, did he win the game or not? We saw him win one game. Yeah, but presumably he used that strategy of threatening to rip off his opponent's arms a lot to win in general. Oh, it does officially make a statement on the Wikipedia about the uh, relationship between Dejeric and chess. Oh, good. Dejeric is in, in many ways reminiscent of the earthly game of chess. It should be noted, however, that a game named Chess actually exists in Star Wars, specifically Hollow Chess, which uses a rectangular board instead of a circular board and looks like it has actual chess pieces. I mean, they're probably holographic rather than actual, but they are the same pieces as chess. Maybe the pieces are not holographic, but hollowed out. So it's hollow chess in that sense. It's spelled H-O-L-O. I'm looking at the words. Well, the name evolved over time. I guess we should stop talking about it since it's not a chess variant. Right. What were the other two you mentioned? Wizard's chess. Okay, and that one is basically chess, but the pieces are magic. Let me see if the Horcruxpedia... Is it actually called Horcruxpedia? No, I think it's called Potterwiki. Oh, that's disappointing. Oh, it's just the Harry Potter wiki. Okay, it's just an enchanted variant of the classic board game. The pieces move when you instruct them. You know what it is? It's like the wizard version of Electronic Talking Battleship. Yeah, this is a digitally enhanced chess. It isn't a new game. Yeah, so maybe I shouldn't talk about this one either, because it's not, strictly speaking, a variant. Now, we can talk here about how Ron isn't very smart, except when chess is involved. That's one of his character <laughs> traits. Yeah. And it's kind of inconsistent because it's not that he's generally strategically thinking and like just limited in only thinking about strategy. It's that he's only good at chess. I think that might actually be accurate. I'm not sure if people who are specifically good at chess have that translate into good strategic skills in life. But in fiction, it's supposed to be the case. Right. That the person who's good at chess is the one who should command your army. Yeah, you show that like Lex Luthor is really smart and dangerous by having him play a lot of chess very well. <laughs> usually many games at once. Oh, this is a good time to mention that trick where if you are playing simultaneous games of chess against two different grandmasters, there's a strategy you can use to make sure that you don't lose both games. You play as white in one game and black in the other, and whatever moves one opponent makes against you, you copy in the other game. So effectively, the two grandmasters are playing against each other, so they can't both win. <laughs> That's a good trick. I feel like somebody should write a novel where, like, that's how a player gets out of a tough scrape, is by guaranteeing that they can beat at least 50% of the grandmasters that they play. Yeah, you just need to manufacture a situation where your hero is in trouble, because what if he loses both these games? It's Dove just won. <laughs> Alright, you had one more, and then I'm going to move into some real chess variants. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure there are rules for, uh, Star Trek 3D chess. 3D chess from Star Trek rules the chess variant pages. Is this the one where when you play it, you actually go into the game? And if you die there, you die in real life? <laughs> no! First off, you're thinking of an episode of DS9 where their life was not at risk, they just thought it was. Spoiler warning. Sorry. Put the spoiler warning at the beginning. I don't care enough. 
spoiler alert, a random episode of DS9 may or may not be spoiled because Lewis is not going to describe it in enough detail that you'd be able to figure it out beforehand. Okay, I'll move that to the front. Okay. This is really complicated. So there's, like, five layers of board. Shouldn't there be eight? What? Well, chessboard is eight by eight. Shouldn't the 3D one be eight by eight by eight? No, it's not a cube. What you have is three boards that are sort of stacked on top of each other that are, it looks like four by four, each of them. And then there's also four floaty tiny boards that are two by two. Okay. I guess one player plays from the bottom and the other player plays from the top. Oh, and the smaller boards, the two by two boards can be moved as part of the game. How do you move between boards? Let's see. So I think the pieces can follow their basic movement rules just in three dimensions instead of two. Movement of pieces is similar to that of orthodox chess, but there are two additional rules. First, when we look to the board from above, the piece should be able to make a normal chess move to the square he wants to go to. Secondly, each step taken, the piece can go up or down one or more levels, where going up or down a level always means going from a movable level to a fixed level or vice versa. Okay, so you need the little ones to be platforms between the big boards. Oh, okay. And then you can move down the boards just as you normally could. Hmm. They're just like extensions of the board that you're on. I am unclear of whether this is like the official rules or just some random website, and I do not feel like investigating. Yeah, I don't really care about that distinction. (laughs) You think both fictional versions of chess are probably equally meaningless? Yeah, this sounds like it could be a plausible game. I mean... Well, my guess is if it was made up by a random chess fan who liked the Star Trek thing, that they made up at least a halfway decent variant. They're presumably trying to make this fit whatever incidental footage was shown of it in the TV show. Probably, yeah. Okay, so those are my three variants of chess, of which I think only one was a variant of chess. That was my one variant of chess and two unrelated games. Well, Wizard Chess is related, it just isn't. My one variant of chess, one unrelated game, and one game that was in fact chess. Alright, so the first one that I thought of was Bug House. Okay, you might want to explain Bug House on the assumption that not everybody will know. I've cut you off because I'm not sure you'll know to do that. Well, I know people need an explanation of chess, but do they really need an explanation of bug house? <laughs> Presumably everybody understands chess solely in relation to it being a like less interesting variant of bug house. <laughs> okay, so bug house is a game played between two two-person teams. You pretty much have two simultaneous games of chess going. You versus one person from the other team and your teammate against the other person from the other team. You and your teammate play opposite colors. And whenever you capture a piece, you put on the table next to your teammate, and they can, instead of taking a regular move, put one of those captured pieces onto their board. And since they're playing the opposite color from you, that piece is the right color to be their piece now. Okay. Bughouse is normally played very quickly. You have pieces passing back and forth all the time. It's kind of fun and chaotic. Like, you might end up with four knights on your board, that kind of thing. Which can be unbalancing. Although knights are... Not as exciting of pieces to make it unbalancing as it as you could have. No, you might get two queens without even being at a point where you're doing pawn promotion. Right. And you win by one of you checkmating the opponent. Or maybe both games have to each checkmate. I don't know, it's been a well while since I've played. No, I think it's gotta be just one checkmate. That makes more sense. Yeah, I think it's whichever team has a player that loses first loses. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense if... Because otherwise you could get a weird tie where each team won one of their two games. Yeah. Have you played Bug House? I have a long time. I was in junior high at the time. I was not a very useful teammate. Yeah, I played it a bit back in high school, and I haven't played it recently, but I have played something similar, which I'll get to later. 
But the next chess variant I want to discuss is Fisher Random Chess. This is a chess variant Bobby Fisher came up with. Okay. The idea with this is that, you know how in chess, you always start with your pieces in the same opening arrangement, and people have spent a lot of time working out all the possible openings and lines of play, and you can get chess books that are just detailed lists of sequences of moves to make at the beginning of games? Yes. With Fisher Random Chess, your starting piece locations can be randomized, so that shakes it up a bit. People aren't just preparing for this by memorizing openings. Now, is this a recipe for variants of chess, or is this a single variant? It's a single variant. I think the only difference between in regular chess is that the starting locations are randomized. There might be some other difference, but that's the main thing I know about it. This is not one that I've played, but I gather it's popular with some people who are pretty into chess, because the whole problem with chess being about memorizing openings is a problem that doesn't come up until you're getting pretty good at chess. Right. Because I don't really care, I don't have any of those memorized, and I'm not going to bother anyway. That surprises me, Ben. Why? I just feel like at some point in your life, I wouldn't be surprised if you had just memorized all of the chess openings. It's not just one for each possible opening move, it's whole sequences of responding to what the opponent does and so forth. I still feel like I can easily see a time in my life when I am talking about, like, something unrelated to chess entirely, and you tell me that that's like, you know, the... Oh, that's like the bishop's gambit. Yes. And then I assume you're BSing, so I challenge you on it, and it turns out you know what you're talking about. And it's a at least a halfway decent analogy that I can't hold up my own against. That's what I predict happening at some point in my life. So I think that if that happens, it'll be because I've picked one obscure opening and learned about that <laughs> for purposes of doing that exact thing in the conversation. Can I just say that you could pick even the most common opening and it would still work? Because I'm not going to know any of them ever. Like the fool's mate? Is that a common opening? Not among chess players who know what they're doing, because it's the one where somebody loses very quickly due to bad mistakes. Uh, that's probably happened to me a number of times. It's like a third turn win or something, maybe fourth. Heck, no, there's no way to win on the third turn. All right, well, we'll look it up later. There's some absurdly fast way to end the game. Okay. It takes one player falling for a trap really badly. So this is where we could use a chess expert on here. I told you, from day one, we needed a chess expert. You said, that won't be useful ever. And then I said, what if one day we're doing a podcast about chess and we don't have a chess expert, but you voted it down. Yeah, I guess I was assuming that we would just innately know about chess if it came up. Well, I thought I would have time before this episode to use all of the stuff that I would need to know about chess from first <laughs> principles. But it turns out that that's a little bit more time consuming than I expected. We had enough time that we could have at least read the Wikipedia article on chess, instead of just the Wikipedia article about non-chess games. <laughs> Dejeric. It's called Dejeric. The Wikipedia article on Dejeric. <laughs> yes. We don't prepare at all. Because uh, I didn't even do that before the episode, I did it during the episode. <laughs> Here's Wait, I want us to all appreciate that I didn't even bother looking up whether I was right about whether chess is from India, but I did look up whether or not Dejeric was a chess variant. I actually know more strategies for Dejeric now, or the names of strategies for Dejeric, than I do for regular chess. I know one strategy for chess is to try to control the middle of the board. I I'm not sure that's a strategy so much as just general good advice during chess. It's really hard to control the part of the board where all of their pieces start. Eventually you want to. Depends. If they've moved their king away from there, what do you care? Yeah, they usually don't. This is probably part of why I don't do well at chess. 
Normally the king doesn't move far away from where he starts. Like, if the king's moving, it's probably just a space over to the side to avoid check, or you castle the king so that now he's out of the way and nobody cares. So what was your extra half? Half? H-A-L-F-T-H? That was a variant of Bug House that I played with some friends at a party one time. And what was that? Okay, so Bug House is four players. What we did was a six-player variant, Emperor Bug House. It was kind of loosely inspired by Emperor Magic. Okay. Which is a magic variant. Now I'll save that for the Magic Variants podcast, which is going to be too long. We're never doing that podcast. I could talk for a long time on that. I believe it, (laughs) but I don't think we'll be doing that podcast. (laughs) Okay. So, three-player, and you pass your pieces to the right, or what? No, you pass your pieces to a game next to you. So, for the people on the edges, you're passing to the center game. Okay. And the center game can pass pieces to either side, and I believe the victory condition was just whoever wins in the center game. Interesting. The side teams are just helping the the center game go better for the center player. Yeah, the idea is the middle players are the emperors, the other people are like their lieutenants or whatever. I don't know the terminology for this storied chess variant. Yeah. So what happened in practice was that I was on one of the side games, and I just went for exchanging pieces as quickly as possible. By the end of the game, there were like a dozen pieces total on my board, both players. Mm Mm-hmm. The center game ended up getting really crowded, and eventually one of them overlooked some opening and lost. The old crowd them out of their playing strategy. Strategy. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't a terribly balanced game, though none of us really knew what we were doing with it. Right. So this is not quite a notable chess variant. I should admit that now. I think you're still doing better than me in terms of (laughs) notable chess variants. Yeah, I got two of them. (laughs) I had one. And it was too complicated for me to bother caring about. What was part three of this request? How to improve chess. Number one, wizard's chess. Right. There are chess computer games that do that sort of thing, like have some fancy art and maybe animations when the pieces capture each other. I was thinking real magic would be a way to improve chess. That's a way to improve life. (sighs) So true. Maybe play faster. That would be less boring. Speed chess? We should talk about that in the notable variants. Oh, yeah. I guess that's kind of a variant. Basically, one way to improve it is get a chess clock and set the time to something low. 12 seconds per player. That's a very short game. Yeah. Oh, I forgot one variant of chess that I really like. I think I've played it with you, even. Really? Yeah, mind chess. This You don't even need a board for it. Wait, I remember the name. What is mind chess? Okay, it's two players. You take turns saying either check or checkmate. <laughs> The winner is whoever says checkmate first. (laughs) That's right. But the real strategy to it is that you want to be saying check until right before your opponent would say checkmate. And that's when you want to say checkmate. That's right. True victory in mind chess comes from saying checkmate immediately before your opponent was planning to. One advantage mind chess has over these other chess variants is that it would be easy for us to play it on a podcast. Okay. Are you ready? Wait, so let's make sure everybody understands the rules. Ben and I will take turns saying check or checkmate. The winner is the person who says checkmate first. However, the larger goal is to just barely beat the other player. All right, I'll go first. Okay. Check. 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 Checkmate. Ah. Were you... Yeah, I was about to. Yes! (laughs) I am the mind chess master! It's a surprisingly deep game. Some people thought this game was pointless. I believe it was Reed. I believe it was a lot of people. (laughs) It's like the color country game in that respect. 
What was the color? <laughs> oh, yeah, the color country game. You remember we learned that from those drama people back when we were directing that play? So the color country game is players take turns saying the names of colors. Or countries. Right. But if you say the name of a country, you lose. And if I remember correctly, part of how you lose that game more often is either opting out by just saying a country to be a jerk, or you start having a conversation in between turns. Right, because there's no time limit for your turns. Right, so I'll just say, like, red, and then Ben could take his turn whenever. Yeah, I might say, like, green. And then I'd say some other stuff. I could talk about whatever. I could talk about sheep. I could talk about bananas. We could go back to talking about chess. Yeah, where did chess originate again? Southeast Asia. Yeah, you saw what I was trying to do there. Yeah, that's the old questioner's gambit (laughs) in the color country game. Now, it's still my turn, because I haven't said a color. Right. Although I think you're allowed to say multiple colors in a row. It's not like Ben is unable to say a color until I say one. You're also allowed to repeat colors. Yes, that's crucial. I remember one popular strategy was to say blue over and over. Red. Orange. Um, but eventually, and I'm just going to lose this game on purpose, just for purpose of illustration, I'll be talking, somebody will say something, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, the king of Denmark. And then Ben would be like, oh, Lewis, you lost. I don't know why I had to do Ben's part there. Ben could have done his part. Oh, Lewis, you lost. <laughs> exactly. Man, I forgot about mind chess and the color country game. Only one of those is really a chess variant. But... Color Country is a variant of Mind Chess. It's a very simple rules transformation. I don't know its origins. Did you make up Mind Chess? No, I read about it online somewhere. Okay. Where were we in the chess request? We're talking about ways to improve chess, and you came up with Mind Chess as one improvement. See, I'm not sure I'd call that an improvement because it's such a different game. I think we really want incremental ways to improve chess. Okay. One thing I dislike about, like, watching people playing chess is that sometimes it's very slow and they take a while to make a move. Yeah. And they get annoyed when I start suggesting moves to them or criticizing their moves (laughs) or basically they need to lighten up. Okay. So here's a suggestion that might help with that. You add, from Double Dare style, a physical challenge. So while it's your turn, you have, like, one minute to make your move, and if you don't make the move within a minute, then you have to, like, do a relay race with an egg on a spoon while you think about your move. Or, like, you have to hop on one foot the whole time, or find a flag in a waffle. It's a giant waffle, not a regular size waffle, obviously. What if it's a regular waffle, but a really tiny flag? Uh, that's not messy enough. Okay, what if it's covered in lots of syrup? The waffle, not the flag. Yeah, well, the flag will probably be covered in lots of syrup as well, Ben. I don't know if you know how waffles work. Probably not a lot, because the flag is so tiny. Is it that you're confused about syrup or waffles? Which which one is throwing <laughs> you on whether or not the flag would be covered in it? I'm confused about covering. <laughs> That actually reminds me of another chess variant, chess boxing. That's a game where people alternate between playing games of chess and rounds of boxing. And this is an actual thing people do. There have been chess boxing tournaments. But that's kind of like saying that I played a variant of Monopoly where I play other board games in between times that I play Monopoly. Kind of, except that at the end of that tournament, you weren't declared the Monopoly and other board games champion. Wow. It all comes down to whether or not we're evaluating performances in a certain way, on your view. Or whether it's billed as like a single event. Okay. So another way to improve chess would be... Drafting. A drafting mechanic? Yeah, drafting improves any game. (laughs) Our audience will be familiar with that point from the uh, Lipogram episode where we weren't allowed to mention letter E. They won't be familiar with it because nobody could tell what we were saying. I challenge them now to go back and see if they can find the part where you're talking about how every game is improved by drafting. Noting that the sentence, every game is improved by drafting, has only two words in it that survive that. Three. 
is by drafting. Yeah. So what about playing chess where at the start of it, players take turns picking pieces that will be in their starting lineup? I think you need more pieces than the standard chessboard has. Yeah. Let's say you start with eight pawns and you're drafting the rest of the pieces. Okay. I mean, you probably start with eight pawns and a king, at least. Oh, yeah, I guess chess doesn't work if you don't have a king each. Wait, I wonder, do you think the technical rules would be that if one player didn't have a king... They're invincible? The loss condition is that your king is threatened. Yeah, if you don't have a king, then they can't beat you. They could force a draw. I think the dominant strategy would be to not draft a king, and everybody would fail to draft a king. Okay, but both players are going to be last picking the king, so it's gonna end up somewhere. We just need a rule that you have to play with all the pieces you draft. Oh. Wait, could you draft your opponent's king? I guess you could, but having two kings seems bad, because that's twice as many pieces that could get checkmated. No, because you might think that the white player loses if the white king is in checkmate. (laughs) Uh, See, I was assuming that the pieces you play with would still be colored the normal way, one color per faction. Okay. And what you'd be drafting is, like, types of pieces they get to use. You know what would be interesting, and I'm sure somebody has done, is to sell a set of cards that you actually deal out to people before the game of chess that have things on them like Pawn Boost that lets you move a pawn an extra space. Yeah, people have done that. With names like, I know, Chaos Chess, that kind of thing. So that would be an interesting way to... I guess it depends on what they mean by improve chess. Like, make chess a better game, I don't know, turn it into Go or something. Maybe Go's a better game than chess, I don't care. Make chess a game I'd rather play. Add some wacky randomness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Add some mechanics that make the hoity-toity smarty pants people who are good at chess worse at playing against me. Yeah, you know what they messed up when they were designing chess? They didn't include enough randomness. I don't know how they made that mistake. <laughs> Chess should be more like Monopoly. (laughs) What if instead of moving around on that board, you're just moving around a circular track to get money? (laughs) And what if instead of controlling 16 pieces, you just control one piece? But it can be like a shoe or a dog, anything you can imagine. Assuming you can imagine a shoe or a dog. Ben, we're not taking this far enough. Let's turn it all the way into Coldcept, because that's actually a better game than Monopoly by a fair amount. Coldcept really was a great game. Oh man, so good. I need to see if there's a way I can get a copy of it and play it. Do you have a PS2? Was it for the PS2? Yep. Well, it might be for the original PlayStation. It's playable on a PS2. Okay. All right, I think I can make this work. I keep trying to tell people I know who are computer programmers that they should make an open source clone. I would play that a lot. Me too. When you say open source clone, you're changing, like, the particular cards, right? It isn't just straight-up copy with new art. No, no, right, but the same basic game mechanics. So, for people who don't know, Coldcept involves players on a track, and the different squares on the track are territories. And I won't go into all the details, but when you land on a track, you can try and take control of the territory, and it's easy to do if nobody has taken control of the territory before, and harder to do if they have. And you do it by playing cards out of a deck. Yeah, it's especially hard to take it if they have played a powerful monster card there. So then you'll need to fight it with one of your monsters and play some weapons to boost them and their spells, and you get the idea. It's very much like Monopoly meets Magic the Gathering meets... Meets random PlayStation game. (laughs) Yeah! The third thing is Coldcept itself. Coldcept is a cross between (laughs) itself, Monopoly, and Magic the Gathering. It had a good storyline, too. It did not have a good storyline. Yeah, it did. I don't want to give spoilers here, but let's just say there's some crazy time travel. <laughs> it has a suitably entertaining <laughs> story. It's not good. Okay, so I hope that Farron is happy with this podcast. I hope so too, and I hope if some of our listeners are really into chess, then they will forgive us for not knowing much about chess. <laughs> and I hope that many of them are into Jarek, because we spent a lot of time on it for something that is not, strictly speaking, a chess <laughs> variant. 
Until next time. Let the Wookiee win. <laughs> let the Wookiee win. RequestCast is powered by the requests of listeners like you. You can send us your requests on the web at podcast.requestcomics.com or visit our forum at timefan.com. Mm-hmm.